My name is Ruth Pike and I am going to be your host for today. Welcome to the seventh installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by a great panel to discuss creating high performance teams. Before we delve a little deeper into the topic, I'm going to work around the room. So I'd like to know some introductions. So also what I'd like to know is who you are, what you do and what it is you're passionate about. Jagannath. Give us a little insight into you, please. Sure. Hi. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Jagannath Dash. Um, I uh, work in FIS as a um, head of software development for a posted security messaging, uh, security processing product. Um, and um, by my passion is basically the topic that we are discussing today, how to ca- take out uh, the most of what what you have uh, within the teams that you uh, work with, so improving productivity and um, uh, making the most of what you have. So thank you. That's great. Thank you. Michael, what about you? Tell us a little bit. Hi, I'm Mike Holmes. I'm head of data scientists at Market Finance, who are a Series B fintech offering frictionless financial solutions to small businesses. Um, I believe that data is the key driver in uh, key driver of IP in any tech business, and that systematic processes at the at the heart of of my philosophy to build impactful teams to unlock that value. Brilliant. Thank you. And Rebecca. Give us a little intro to you, please. Hi, I'm Becca. Um, I'm the head of product at Padme. So we're a digital product um, company where we work with clients to help build their digital strategies and their digital products. Um, so, yeah, I'm very passionate about product. Um, but, yeah, outside of work, I just like being outside and doing exercise. Love it. <laughs> OK, so now that I've established a little bit of context into each of you, I'm going to move on to the topic in focus. And we're all here because we've got an interest in the topic of creating high performance teams. I've got a number of questions to follow. So I'll work around the room. I'll pose the questions and then I'll go to yourself for the subtopics and the and the discussion and how you would like to approach the questions. So. I'm going to start with Jagannath and I'm going to, yeah, so I'm going to start with yours and yours was delivery excellence and how this helps towards forming high performance teams. So you've put some content with this. So you've said accountability, cross skills teams, importance of governance and how Scrum plays a role in terms of setting readiness and completion criteria. So give us a little insight into that in terms of the delivery excellence and how you think it helps towards forming that creating creating that performance team absolutely so um uh, look we when when we talk about um yeah you know high performance of uh, you know the deliveries from the team the out- outcome output from the teams that we uh, work with uh, the first thing that comes to mind and that uh, we all kind of work towards is the end objective of how to how to achieve the uh, objectives and how who are the stakeholders how do we make them happy and uh, for for our uh, our case um, obviously there is always a client at the end the customer that we are trying to you know uh, appease and um, you know work um, uh, we are we are getting revenues from those clients and we are working towards uh, achieving the objectives that they have set so with that in mind, um, what I have always done is kind of work backwards from there uh, as to, okay, how uh, various factors in there, uh, what's the kind of time to market, uh, what's the um, uh, level of accountability that we have within the team, what are the, who are the team um, uh, players that are involved in, in this um, end-to-end journey. So what the first and foremost thing that I always do is um, you know, identify um, uh, a list of okay, who are the stakeholders? Second, who do we ha- who do we have uh, within the teams? Uh, for example, I, I look after the software development. So, do I have the right skilled people? Do I have uh, the right skilled developers, the testers, um, the um, you know product owners, um, uh, the BAs uh, who who create the requirements for us, and um, uh, you know all all these players, um, uh, making sure that we have the right skill within the teams. And all uh, the first and foremost thing is to give this big picture to uh, everybody involved in the team that, okay, what is our end, obje- end objective and what are we trying to achieve? Because unless this big picture is known to each and every individual within the team, right from the junior staff to the um, you know, most senior staff, um, it's, they, they are not going to be on the same page and understand, okay, what we, uh, what we are trying to achieve here. And no matter how much, no matter how much of work is involved there. So, 
that is the communication there is uh, the foremost important thing. Uh, starting with uh, following that, we need to make sure that uh, we have the right accountability for each of the um, uh, team members within the team. Is the developer doing their job uh, properly? Um, is is the is he writing the quality code? Is the tester testing uh, doing everything possible to test uh, all the scenarios that are pre present there? Uh, with the requirements, are the requirements complete when it when it is coming to the team uh, by the BAs, the product owners within the team? So that is uh, that. That is also uh, that is very also quite important, um, and that's where the accountability lies. That okay, if the requirements are not complete, then uh, guys, uh, the BAs need to make sure that they they are held accountable. That yeah, uh, we need to uh, you know uh, make sure I, what I am passing over to the uh, developers to the testers is complete. Same way for developers, am I uh, writing the right code? Uh, if there is any coding mistakes, obviously the developers uh, understand that, okay, I, I, this is my responsibility, I need to achieve that. So every person in the team needs to have an accountability for whatever they are um, working on. Mm -hmm. The third aspect that I have um, always uh, implemented is having a robust governance process in terms of, um, you know, be it reviews, uh, be it the auditing of what changes we are doing within the application Application because unless we have that traceability across each of the phases of um, you know end-to-end -end deliveries, we won't uh, know when we uh, you know when we have to retrospect at the end if something goes wrong, where did it go wrong and why did it go wrong? And that takes me to the um, you know the next uh, step uh, you know uh, when uh, delivering something is fine, but when uh, when we have delivered, if something has gone wrong. We as a team collectively coming back and kind of doing a retrospect, retrospection of uh, where did it go wrong. And it's always, I always within my team use um, we rather than I. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, it, there is nothing, it's all as a one team, we are working towards a, a single objective. So um, having that psychology, uh, psychology within the team, uh, when we do that root cause analysis, the retrospection of something going wrong and trying to find, uh, take a learning out of it and creating action plans is also uh, equally important. So these, these, all these things together kind of move us towards uh, being, um, you know, target of every small team being a self-managed team on their own. You know, if if they are given an objective, they know how to get from point A to point B. And being cross-skilled, being self-managed, I believe with all these uh, uh, various things that I mentioned, makes helps us in you know making every team a high-performing team. And uh, that's what I strive on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, uh, making sure, uh, you know, each of these aspects uh, are fulfilled and everybody feels excited about what they're working on and responsible um, uh, and know what they're working about. Brilliant. Mike, what, 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 your, what say your views were on that in terms of delivery excellence? Yeah, no, I, I very much share um, a lot of what, what Jagannath says there. Um, so I, I work in, in data and I'll... I'll um, I try and and follow uh, follow agile principles and and use uh, use Scrum um, as one of our <clears throat> sorry um, ways of working. Now, I'll talk a little bit about where I've gone wrong in this past and some of my some of my learnings. Um, I used to think that Scrum wasn't as applicable to to the world of data, particularly in data science, because data science is about research and discovery and the output of one stage. Um, drives the, the inputs to the next stage, and it lent very much more to, to using Kanban. And so I had gone through a process of um, relaxing a lot of the, the structure in the team because I used to believe that the structure got in the way of um, agility and, and high performance. And I found that the, the, team, the team's velocity um, and the team's output actually suffered as a result. And so I've now gone the other way and made sure that there are um, there's a good friction in the process and the and the governance behind it, not necessarily um, a really high degree of governance at every stage of the process, but where it is um, a, a necessary part of a of a wider wider process that gets the desired results at the end. And so I think that um, in the spirit of of looking at um, you know using using these tools and this this rigor, it's very much dependent on 
the type of team, the type of uh, organization, the organizational con um, context that you're working with. Um, some projects are longer and more complex than others, and you might need more rigor and planning planning behind that. So I, I definitely have a more, um, you know, definitely have a, a mindful approach of, of making sure that the level of process is just enough to make sure that we support um, in enabling the team, but not too much to be the bad friction that, that slows them down. Yeah, definitely. Becca, what do you think? Um, yeah, so we uh, so we work in Agile and we work in Scrum principles as well. And it is really important. It makes people clear on what needs to happen, but they've also got a framework and they've got that process to know that they can say when something's not right. And I think that's the important bit that helps make like deliver excellence and efficiency is knowing that you've got a process, you've got a framework, you know, the roles and responsibility, you know what's expected or you've got that idea so that when something isn't like that, you can then put your hand up and say, wait a sec, what's going on? Without that, it ends up being a little bit more chaos because no one knows what's going on. No one knows what process they're sticking to or how to work. And that's where you start to see it being less effective. And in this is where you've got to think about like in time frames. So new teams or new relationships, new stakeholders, that process takes like you've got to be able to learn it. You can't expect it on day one to be excellent. So you've got to remember that it takes a few weeks and that you're not going to see the expectation on day one and it's that communication and it's to go and keep keep up with it like every day that we do something those one percent changes those one percent keeping that process will deliver the effect ah, thank you very much does anyone want to add anything on to that, that question and, and delivery excellence or should we move on to the next yeah this, this is know? um actually i've got uh, something this is great to learn that everybody here is actually following scrum methodology and um <laughs> actually uh one one thing um you know, um, Mike, that you mentioned about um, you know the use of data. That's that's really great. Even I, I have relied on um, the data actually to be able to justify uh, why we should do something. For example, you know, uh, as we, we all use Scrum now, uh, we know uh, I, I keep track of the velocity per person, the the sprint velocity, uh, the sprint variance, all those things, and actually present that to the team um, yeah, during the quarterly town halls, and that that is quite a um, you know uh, key parameters that even the teams themselves at, at even each team level they are themselves able to see that okay whether they're improving by uh, whatever percentage they're improving by that actually motivates them that oh excellent we we are just four five of us per team or whatever but we are delivering more more story points a per sprint as compared to before so that's i think that uh, the showing the data rather than just you know being keeping it subjective showing that data actually um, has worked for me as well uh, it's it's really excellent you know uh, making use of data yeah it, it, it was it was only because i tracked velocity that i knew that going to kanban wasn't working so if there's anyone who's listening to this that uses scrum and doesn't or can't track their velocity that's definitely something that that you should start doing and yeah it's it's something that it's not just to be held by the manager it needs to be visible for the for the whole team and and everyone can get excited by that absolutely and another thing i'm also using now is um, you know building a capacity uh, uh, capacity model uh, demand versus capacity model to making use of that um, you know story points completion per person within the team uh, make use of that to um, you know predict okay how many th how many story points were of work I can complete this year. So uh, it's actually making use of the agile concept itself for the capacity planning rather than just mandates. Because at the end of the day, uh, how much you deliver depends, uh, is actually deliver. That actually is the uh, reflection of uh, your uh, real capacity rather than just the mandates that you're working in the office. So um, yeah, that definitely, this the data aspects definitely help. Great. Becca, yeah. do you want to say? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think the data is really important because it allows everybody, it allows the team to say, look, we've got a problem here. Look, you can see that we're stuck or something's not going as expected. And it's not just showing it. It's showing everything that it needs to. And it's it's not subjective. So it's data and you can have a conversation about that and then you can make improvements. Whereas without it, it becomes very subjective. People get upset. People enjoy it. Um, but it then makes it inefficient. 
Right, brilliant. So I'm going to move on to the next question. Um, and it's about basically different environments. So how do you evolve high performance teams in a changing business environment? And that was your question, Mike. So would you like to start off on that? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I think we we'll, may, may all agree that the only constant in business is, is change. Um, the nature of the change might be different year to year, but things things are always changing. And, and, and always if, it, if they're not changing, then that, that should be that maybe should be the worry. Um, so uh, in my in my personal situation at the moment, um, I have a small uh, team that has uh, doubled in size over the last sort of uh, twelve to eighteen months, and and, and we're, we're we're scaling up now as just as much as our as our business is growing. And so this means that I have sort of a constant reflection that you know what worked yesterday might not work well tomorrow and there's a lot of other things that need to be managed on top of that in terms of bringing the right people to diversify the team's skill set or maintaining that continuity of pace in case there are there are resignations in the team because you know, it, it, it can be a very difficult hiring market as well to to bring in new people into the team um so yeah i i wanted to bring this up as a topic of how how do we navigate that change and what tactics can we use as leaders to minimize and proactively plan against um um against the disruption it might cause so okay so in terms of the tactics what would you say the tactics is that you've used to overcome this recently um i i mentioned in my introduction i'm very much focused on systematic processes and you know that that also you know it leads on for the last question as well around the use of scrum but um also in terms of ownership um and um sort of delivery and releases and, and things like that i think that by having um strong processes um the, the the governance documentation uh making sure that there are there are peer reviews um that quality does not suffer that uh, there's a right project cleanup that no project is ever finished with loose ends because those loose ends become painfully obvious if you need to review it one year later with a different with a different set of people and um that that discipline does produce friction and it does mean that you sometimes have to to slow down and some stakeholders might not be excited that you're spending some time on cleanup and not starting on the next project uh, but often in the, that ends up being an investment in my eyes that the the short-term friction that you face as a result is only going to empower uh, your your pace and growth and sort of flexibility within an evolving team going forward Brilliant. Rebecca, what, what are your views on this then? Do you agree? Um, yeah, I do agree. And for <laughs> us, it's very much like how you sell it to the stakeholders or who you need to be. So a lot of us like that, yeah, you have to do cleanup or change or there's like death and it's like business value. So it's like, actually, we can do this and it will cost you less or we can deliver more. Um, but I think for us, we're very much like you change, things do change, but for us we make sure that we've always got like a six-week view so three sprints so we've got a six-week view of what's going on and if we don't have that six-week view that's when you start to get a little bit like like yeah what's going on here but with that six-week view you are moving you are changing but you're always making sure that you've got enough time to get that information because if you try and change too fast or try and change too slow then it frustrates the rest of the team especially when you're working in Scrum and you do have your processes and your governance, you want to make sure that you've got the right information, enough information to make it sure it's positive and it doesn't become a negative or impact the delivery. So by making sure that you're always thinking that little bit further into the future and never like next week or tomorrow, you give that confidence and you are moving because you're not saying that you're not going to do something in six months. You're going, right, yep. So our next our next block of work we need to look at is in six weeks. That can be the highest priority. Let's go and understand what it is and work on it. Um, and then you go and work with the teams and you say, right, what do we need to do to be able to deliver that? And that's where you can start looking at like, well, the clear up or we did this last week and it's going to impact it. So you make it as part of like the effort or the, the, the value that you need to be able to deliver it so that everyone has that quick visibility. They have a fixed six week period that they know they're going to get X at the end of it and they're not going to be interrupted. And you're still working agile, you're still working scrum, but 
you have that fixed period, but you have that movable area afterwards. And I think that helps, that helps stakeholders, it helps development teams, and it helps keep everyone calm and sleep at night and enjoy coming to work the next day. Well, that's the goal, isn't it? <laughs> um, okay, Dagmata, what do you think in terms of evolving high-performance teams in a ever-changing business environment? Yeah, I, I totally agree with Rebecca what uh, she mentioned about the visibility, um, you know, and that's that's really really important um, for the uh, for the team, um, and uh, you know that that shows that they are included in the decision making process in the um, you know um, in the overall big picture like you mentioned earlier um, so what what i have done what i've always done is basically share the roadmap with uh, the whole team during the town hall that okay this is our objective for the whole year and uh, these are these are the timelines we are working towards for each and every uh, change so it's it's just one you know the roadmap is just one slide of when is when is what what is happening it's a high level although uh, but uh, when 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 uh, going down to each team level um, it, it gives them something to talk about you know ask questions that okay uh, my team uh, we us we are going to work on these these things for the rest of the year so uh, that shows uh, you know that i can see the excitement when you know they ask questions about their own uh, uh, objectives for for the rest of the year and another thing that i um, you know i've tried and has worked is 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 not just one thing that they are working on for for example um, if there is a uh, product announcement a change request that they are working on they are also working on at the same time any um, you know uh, production live um, issues uh, within the sprint so trying to keep a variety within every sprint uh, for the team just so that they you know uh, they complete one uh, change request they can move on to another uh, uh, fixing a bug you know they, that keeps the um, interest there in terms of variety of work within a sprint that they are working uh, otherwise i have had a few uh, designations in the past where um, you know during the uh, exit interviews the the feedback that we got uh, that was about two years back the feedback some of the feedbacks we got was oh it's just the same thing that i've been working on for the last um, you know few sprints to few months so and that time we had the structure like okay these particular teams are going to be working on bug fixes these teams are going to work on change requests or other announcements or big program and we were not moving people around so that's when I started, you know, um, uh, moving, coming to uh, Mike, one of the points that you mentioned, um, it was actually, you know, having the right people at the right, uh, in uh, doing the right uh, task. You know, we, uh, based on the, the, you know, the roadmap, um, I keep moving people around sometime, only the key people, not the, the entire team, uh, move people around different scrum teams, depending on their skill set. And just so that, you know, they uh, they know what, what is going on in the other, other teams and their skill skill set is used um, at the best place that we can use at that particular uh, point of time, and that way, you know, uh, we are actually improving the time to market as well uh, because of that. We, we are completing things on a timely basis. So, right. so moving on from cha ever changing business environments, it's your. I'm going to go to your second point, Mike, which you said about maintaining continuity of high performance teams after resignation. So there has been a few mentions about people leaving teams, stuff like that. So, in terms of maintaining that high performance. What is it that you would say you would you've done in the past or do now to make sure that the the, the level of, of performance doesn't drop? So, um, thankfully, I haven't had a resignation in quite some time, and um, <laughs> you know, um, prevention is is better than the cure. So, um, you know, making sure that the team are engaged, that you are listening to what what excites them what projects they want to work on next be mindful of things like their well-being um, and that social connection within the team are all very important um, but most of us are going to manage a team of uh, ambitious people who never want the last year of their experience to be the same uh, to to be replicated in the next next year they they want to continually be challenged and learning uh, and that and that i think uh, you know is is on us as as leaders to make sure that roadmap that roadmap is there and it's visible and it, and it and it's exciting but you know 
it's it, it's almost like the um, um, it, for anyone who's heard of the, like the phases of team development where you have the storming, forming, norming, performing stage. That as soon as you feel like you've got to that performing stage, then you're pegged back because somebody leaves for one for for one reason or another, and 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 it will it will happen. And there appears to be like you know there's a natural cycle cycle around that. So um, I, I guess my my um, my tactic is prevention is is best but also to make sure that with um sort of process and, and the clean up and the documentation i mentioned before that when it does when it does happen that there is a, a, a continuity plan that's proactive rather than reactive and and, and panicking to uh to, to tidy things up in somebody's notice period yeah definitely becca have you had any experience in this um well it's i guess it's slightly more normal for us because we work with multiple clients so our teams like working on different products so you get up there and the whole point to progress it doesn't matter what role you're in whether you're in product or engineering or QA you want to progress your role's going to change what you do in that day so part of that is that you'll go and you'll go and work your hardest and you'll go and do really well and you'll move up to the next level that we do need to move. But that's part of the processes and the governance you've got in place and those frameworks is that you're able to do that, that not one person is going to make that huge impact, that you make sure that you are doing that documentation, you make sure you do have that handover. And at the end of the day, yeah, a resignation they leave isn't good, but they might go somewhere else in the business. They might go and move, move up to a level. It's exciting opportunity or a change and fresh eyes fresh blood gives a little bit more motivation and actually probably keeps the team overall happier because you have new ideas new solutions new suggestions uh, by having that extra person put in so kind of changing it into a positive instead of making it like a downer <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely Jack and Ath, what about you yeah, that that's that's pretty much the same same thing. Um, and uh, it's I actually I totally agree with uh, that prevention. So what 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 I, what um, I've done basically is um, you know be aware of uh, what are the aspirations of the um, uh, key members of the team. Uh, pretty much every you know other, every other um, uh, other dev managers that I have, uh, we we kind of uh, discuss on a. Uh, monthly or bi-monthly basis in terms of uh, doing a risk assessment okay how uh, everybody within the team is doing what are the uh, aspirations everybody is ambitious these days and uh, we just have to we just have to accept that you know people can leave anytime and it's it's um, it's something good for them and good for us in a way because uh, leaving is not the end of it they people i've seen people actually come back join back our team so they take a learn a different perspective outside and actually come back because of the way that we are structured the way that we work so right to the very end i think we we uh, we should accept this accept the aspirations support the aspirations and that's why um, for every member of the team we have kind of uh, we encourage a, um, uh, a you know a strategy of who is your next in line who is your second in command kind of approach so that way you know that okay this is the person that uh, i have to share my responsibilities with i have to ensure that this person needs to know what i am also what i'm working on my responsibilities are and then uh, they learn they as a backup even if i'm on leave uh, consider that as a short, short resignation like uh, leave is a, is that sort of situation so if i am on leave uh, this is the next person who can um, help keep things moving and this is the uh, you know encouraging this um, um, you know even internal move or exit. Um, I think we just have to be prepared for it. And eventually, when it happens, if we are prepared for it, um, then the impact is there is going to be impact, but the impact is going to be less. Yeah. Um, and we'll have more chance of people coming back rather than you know never seeing them again. Yeah. Definitely. Would anyone like to add anything on those two points before we move on to the next? No? Okie doke. So I'm going to go to yours, Becca, and it's about how to maintain quality and process in a high growth phase. So tell us a little bit about your experience with that. Yeah, so at the moment, like my team at least, like we're in a high growth speed, like we're growing and it's maintaining that quality. So like I guess it's similar to like if there's resignations or people move, but like when you grow and you can grow fast how do you like get that process in quickly and smoothly and not to actually impact because growth normally means that 
you're having to start a new role. So it's not replacing something that's already there. It's adding someone to the team. So it's getting that process. Um, and it's more that I'm working on it, improving it, but just any suggestions on like how you dealt with it. <laughs> <laughs> Go on then. Okay, Mike, have you got anything you want to share on this then? Any yeah, tips, so, tricks? Yeah. Um, so I've always been mindful to try and scale uh, productivity before people um and uh i you know think thinking outside the box or 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 doing retros on processes as as i've actually found that there's quite a lot of efficiencies and um actually there's loads of positives out of that because people feel more empowered um communication's always better in a better in a small group and so forth um uh, yeah I, I, the the other thing I think is that you know the opposite of um, the opposite of sole person dependency is that you know not everyone can know everything. So making sure that there is a right balance between um, who is the only person with knowledge versus are you sharing knowledge too widely? Because the more knowledge that somebody has to hold, that's preventing them from. Um, from focusing on their on their key area. Uh, my only caveat to that is that all knowledge should be captured in a all valuable knowledge should be captured in some kind of structured way and people know where to find it. Love that. Thank you. Jagla, is there anything you want to add on to that in terms of the maintenance of quality? Yeah, I think um, uh, one th one thing I have um, always, always observed is that um, you know quality is uh, Obviously, about how um, uh, how how clear the teams are, uh, or uh, every person involved in the process, how clear are they? Um, each one of them about uh, what 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 is the work that they are doing? What is the end objective of, about that? And uh, for for that, I've seen um, you know a pretty basic thing. What I've seen is uh, people sending emails that okay, I've got this scenario. Um, uh, uh, I, uh, what are the other scenarios that you need to cover? Okay, this is the requirement you have shared. What are the other requirements that I, I am I missing anything? You know th this. This process actually becomes quite, um, you know, a monotonous one-way sort of communication. What I've always encouraged within the teams is, um, hang on, don't don't spend like days on email communications. Um, talk, get online on a video call or on a voice call, just talk to each other. You know, as a team, just talk to each other. Even if it is uh, you're talking to some some uh, one uh, other person, just get on a call with them and talk to each other, discuss everything, and then send a final email that, okay, this is what we have covered, if you, if you want to uh, trace uh, uh, something. So the, basically, wh while it's more about talking first of all, rather than just going on writing something. Because while talking, you get to you know, discuss a lot more other points that we, you, you could not cover on the email. You know, and then when you summarize everything, that's when you see that uh, you, have, you have covered a lot more, uh, basically. And also, um, uh, another thing that um, uh, I suggest uh, following is also uh, implementation of behavior-driven development approach, where we are, we are kind of, um, you know, when, when the requirements are coming through uh, to the teams, you start to basically, uh, the requirements uh, from a behavior-driven approach that, as a user, this is what I need to, uh, this is the application uh, outcome if the conditions are this. So right from the uh, business analysts uh, or the product owners, when they uh, give the requirements, having those in a BDD format actually has uh, definite has shown improvement rather than you know just writing it in two three lines. Okay, this is what we need to do, and with the requirements document test. So when we start from that, the QA are getting their test scenarios. The developers know that okay, this is the kind of it's it's a logical way of representation, right? It's a uh, simple English way of code code representation. So they write start writing code in that way as well. So these sort of simple things if we implement i've seen that we definitely the quality starts uh, uh, with a very high level um, right from the beginning uh, rather than you know just waiting for the testing to happen yeah just communication is key isn't it making yeah. sure that everyone's got the exact same end in mind and everyone's yeah. working to the same goal but again it's difficult when you're in such a high growth phase like a really yeah. fast growing phase Absolutely. how do you keep that in a structure yeah so i've like put training plans in place and like make sure people understand like like us as a company and a culture because I think that impacts some of it too um so it's not just like the day-to-day -day job but it's like the support you get and 
you can make mistakes um but yeah it is how do you if you get lots of new people because there's growth or we've got to do something different or there's there's changes and you've got to set up a new squad then it is like how do you how do you make sure that it is a team that follows like your values your strategy your goals mm-hmm. your culture i think the main thing as well is always making sure that you know how people learn and how people actually because a lot not everybody learns by the same same way so it's actually understanding what the, that person's pain points are or the learning points are so that you can actually speak to them and then you know you can leave them big because you know that they're going to go to the same level but I suppose that takes a lot of time doesn't it but machine renews have all had your hands full with that recently <laughs> absolutely absolutely and uh, to the core core of that is obviously data and yeah, uh, all, all, day, all data so uh, what if i can add a bit more is basically when um uh, what what we what i have done is also kind of um uh, the retro, following the retrospections when we capture all the root causes of the issues that we have had uh, we create kind of uh, graphs in terms of for every function uh, a developer or a qa function we create capture the graphs of uh, what are the um uh, prominent top 3 or top 5 root causes that has led of the issues that we have encountered uh, following our deliveries and um, we work from there that okay uh, if if it is uh, depending on the causes we we get an idea okay fine it's not about finding out which team or which individual it's about finding out as a team where we have gone wrong and focus our team training on on those particular areas if it is to do something with the code okay what kind of code let's get the team tra- uh, some more training on on this uh, this particular code if it is about some certain behavior if it's a certain processes we uh, get get some training um, uh, to the team for around those areas so that 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 way that data is has also helped in creating uh, those uh, improvement uh, actions brilliant thank you Does anyone else like to add anything onto the maintaining quality and process yeah i'll just say um, i'm sure everyone feels like they could always do more and uh, you know almost to a certain extent that no matter how large your team was you could always find something for somebody else to do but i'm always like especially in a hyper growth phase always mindful that every single person that i add to the team is is justified and they are doing meaningful work that's aligned to uh, the company's top uh, objectives because if if there's a hyper growth phase now that may not last forever and um i want everyone in the team to um know that they're heavily contributing towards what the mission is and if there is any slowdown in uh in the company's growth curve um and you know, in in a in a worst case scenario if the company decides to to scale down uh, then you know that you're already running a lean team that's very focused and you're actually protecting people's livelihoods as well yeah definitely brilliant so Has anyone would anyone like to add anything on to that if not I'll uh, I'll wrap it up there now brilliant well again thank you all for taking the time on your Fridays to come and, and have a chat with myself so I just want to take the opportunity to thank you all Jagnath Michael and Rebecca for providing all your insights and going into as much um and much of your experience as you possibly can so yeah this has been the evolution exchange podcast and thank you all for listening